MSW Media. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp is not a crisis hotline. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Start living a better life today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 13th, 2023. Today, the Obama stalker has been detained pending trial. The FBI director, Christopher Wray, testified before the House Judiciary Committee. Iowa Republicans have passed a new six-week abortion ban. Lawyers with Supreme Court business paid a Clarence Thomas aide using Venmo. Ray Epps has filed his defamation suit against Fox News. The Department of Justice jumps into a Florida voting case. Inflation falls for the 12th consecutive month to just 3%. And Judge Amit Mehta has acquitted a January 6th rioter on all charges. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, my friend. I hope you got through hump day just fine. Yep. Mike, 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 Mike. Hump day. I did. I, I got through it um, just fine. By the way, that what I just did right there is from a random commercial from like nine years ago. I don't know why <laughs> these things. You sound like those two monsters from Sesame Street. Yep, 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 yep. Radio. <laughs> Radio. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah, no, it was like this camel who would walk around the office and because it was hump day and he'd be like, Mike, 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 hump day, you know, and I, it just made me laugh. Listen, people, we have to entertain ourselves any way we can at this point because the news has gone bananas. Sometimes I throw out these quotes. And I'm like, I should tell people where that's from. Not everyone knows me. So first of all, with Justice Thomas, several lawyers who have had business before the Supreme Court, including one who just successfully argued to end affirmative action, paid money to Rajan Vazish, a top aide to Justice Clarence Thomas. That's according to the aide's Venmo transactions. What do you Oh, mean? my God. What is wrong with these people that don't know how to put this shit private, first of all? Right. Like, oh, man, uh, their payments appear to have been made in connection to one of Clarence Thomas's Christmas parties, the one that happened in 2019. Oh, boy. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's no big deal. It's not like he, you know, had a billionaire buy his mom's house or something. But I mean... Where do you draw the line? When do ethics stop mattering? Uh, I This is a big deal to me because if I got caught pitching in 20 bucks for a gift that I'm only allowed to pitch in $15 for through a Venmo account to my supervisor, I would be admonished or reprimanded for that when I was a federal government employee. Also, speaking of the federal government, Department of Justice in Florida They filed a statement of interest regarding a lawsuit challenging a voter registration provision that requires people to physically sign their name with a pen. It's called the wet signature requirement. So they're jumping in on Florida and then they've just sued again, I think, in Texas, another one in Mississippi. Like so DOJ is all over this uh, suing suing for Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act all over the motherfucking place because we got rid of Section 5. We gutted it in 2013, which means. People aren't, you know, states aren't required to, it's called a pre-clearance in Section 5, where they have to, if they're going to do some racist shit, they have to check with the Justice Department first. So now they're just, they're proactively going out. Uh, This is something that would have never happened under Donald Trump or any Republican, for that matter. 
And then Ray Epps, we talked about this yesterday. He was going to sue. He has sued. Um, It's an unspecified amount. But what's interesting to me is that the lead lawyer, because I always like to scroll to the end and see who's on the case, is um, the same lead lawyer in the Dominion Fox News case, the guy who won them $787.5 million. He's got a pretty good record. So ding dong. And inflation is down for the 12th month in a row. It was at peaked at 9.1%. It's at just 3% now. We're going to beat our our goal for this year on inflation. And so uh, that's Bidenomics in action. So good job over there. Love to see it. Love to see it. The White House. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, from Ryan Riley, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite reporters. Him and Ben Collins con- consistently crack me up. But this is Ryan Riley over at NBC, a January 6th writer who was identified by online sleuths nearly two years ago, but wasn't arrested until he showed up outside the home of former President Barack Obama with two guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in his van, was ordered detained until trial on Wednesday. And this surprised me a bit. His name is Taylor Taranto of Washington State, and he currently faces just four misdemeanor charges in connection with the Capitol attack. But federal prosecutors have indicated more charges could be on the way. Taranto has been living in his van, which was often parked outside of the D.C. jail, where many January 6th defendants are being held for the past couple of months. He was actually ousted from there for being just kind of too nut jobby for hanging out with the January 6th, the protesters, the pro, the, the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the persecuted U.S. Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi. He has, had questioned whether, given that Taranto had only faced misdemeanor charges, he wanted to know whether he could actually detain only on the basis of presenting a risk to the public. Uh, now, Faruqi said there were a number of factors weighing in favor of releasing him pre-trial, but said he was ultimately concerned that Taranto does pose a threat to the public. And here's what he said. We as a country have failed you. He was referencing Taranto's service in the military and the PTSD he suffered from in the years since. Now you have to pay the price for our failure. At every turn, it seems you get let down and that's not fair. And I take a little personal issue with this because I didn't park my van down by a river and go and try to assassinate Raskin's kid at a school and the former president of the United States because I have PTSD. Now, Faruqi said the temperature is way too high in our political discussions and that it was truly heartbreaking that Taranto had to be locked up pre-trial. Taranto was identified in August 2021 after a facial recognition search of photos of him at the Capitol turned up photos of him posting with a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump. He showed up outside Obama's residence last month after Trump posted a screenshot that included Obama's address. Now, Taranto reposted and wrote on Telegram, we got these losers surrounded. See you in hell, Podestas and Obamas. Taranto was recording himself when he was near the Obama's residence, talking about how he was searching for tunnels that connected their home to Tony Podesta's. Faruqi said he was worried that there could be catastrophic consequences if Taranto was allowed out and did things that Taranto thought elected officials were telling him to do. Faruqi, while not explicitly referencing Trump, made clear that he thought the officials who filled Taranto's head with conspiracy theories and lies about the 2020 election bore moral responsibility for the situation. Mm -hmm. Quote, where are the people telling you to do things? He asked, where are they? They're not here. So that's what went down in the courtroom. I am actually uh, glad that he is detained pretrial, but also surprised that he that the judge did that with just the four misdemeanor counts. But apparently more charges are coming and we'll keep you posted. All right. Thank you, A.G. This one's from Adam Edelman at NBC. Now, an Iowa Republicans, they passed 
a bill late Tuesday to ban most abortions after six weeks. Six weeks. Not everyone even knows they're pregnant, by the way, at most six people. weeks. Yeah, most people don't even know. Yeah. A restrictive measure that would quickly remake the rep- reproductive rights legal landscape in a key early voting state. Mm-hmm. The measure passed mostly along party lines, not surprising, just after 11 p.m. local time, capping a marathon one-day special legislative session that Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, she called for the sole purpose of enacting a pro-life legislation. Yep, lovely. Reynolds, in a statement issued moments after the bill was passed, she would sign the bill on Friday. And this is from her. Justice for the unborn should not be delayed. Justice? Like, yep, I justice? know. Mm. Yep. I want to see a fetus walk in somewhere and sue someone. Mm. Like, when that happens... <laughs> We can talk about it. If it's not blocked by a court, the law would go into effect immediately after Reynolds signs it. That could send abortion clinics in the state, as well as women with appointments, by the way, scheduled at them already in the coming days and weeks, scrambling. Everyone's scrambling. As it currently stands, abortion remains legal in Iowa until 20th week of pregnancy. Now, the bill passed by Republicans, and they control the legislature in Iowa. They, that would ban abortion at the sixth week of pregnancy. Or when, in some cases, a fetal pulse can first be heard via ultrasound. Now, in some cases, mind you, the measure includes exceptions for the life of the woman, miscarriages, and fetal abnormalities deemed by the physician as incompatible with life. Well, the bill also includes exceptions for pregnancies resulting from rape and from incest. For those exceptions to apply, the rape must have been reported to law enforcement or a public (sighs) or private health agency. This is a big fucking problem with this which includes a family doctor, but it has to be reported within 45 days. And the incest must have been reported to any of those officials or entities within 140 days, which is fucking insane. Now, Passage Tuesday was the product of a rapid 15-hour special legislative session that featured hours of impassioned pleas from legislators and members of the public in both support and opposition of this measure. And this is a quote, abortion is normal. Safe, life-saving healthcare. That's from Connie Ryan. Connie is the executive director of the nonprofit Iowa Interfaith Alliance. Okay? And she said that it is a session reserved for members of the public to discuss the measure. She said Iowa is not a theocracy. Hmm. Democratic legislators and reproductive rights groups, now they held large protests in the state capitol throughout the day with chants audible during several committee sessions where the bill was being discussed. And this is another quote. This is from a Dr. Amy Bingaman. She said, it's pretty demoralizing for those of us that take care of women to have the potential of losing the ability to practice full spectrum health care. Now she's in Des Moines. She's an obstetrician and gynecologist. Bingaman said many doctors like her will be forced to consider leaving the state if they are no longer able to legally administer reproductive health care. Polling in the state as well as nationally, by the way, finds that a majority of voters, we support people's having the right to abortions. This could make this any candidate, any candidate who supports this of a strict abortion ban, it might make them politically vulnerable among general election voters. We've seen it in other races. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Iowa. Hmm. Yeah. And and this is just the... (laughs) It's like the dog catches the car and goes, fuck. And then a year later, they still go out chasing cars. I don't understand. Uh, You know what? Not even going to try to pretend like I know what's going on in the head of these theocrats. Um, This just in, by the way, a little bit of breaking news. This was not at the top of the show. The Department of Justice is appealing the sentences imposed by Judge Mehta 
against the Oath Keepers convicted of seditious conspiracy or obstruction, including the 18-year term for Stuart Rhodes. The DOJ is appealing the sentences, saying they are too, too low. Oh, wow. 18 years is not enough. All of the sentences, even Rhodes's sentence, were all well below what the sentencing guidelines called for. That's not something I expected from this particular Department of Justice, but way to go. I agree. The sentences are too low. We'll cover that in more detail on tomorrow's show. And FBI Director Chris Wray, who I'm not a huge fan of, testified before the House Judiciary today. It was just a bunch of assholes being assholes to each other, kind of. Now, let's listen to my favorite, favorite part of the hearing. Trump advisor Roger Stone was convicted in a federal court, correct? Uh, That's my recollection. Trump donor Elliot Brady was convicted in a federal court, correct? Uh, Also my recollection. The attorney general at the time for those two convictions was Bill Barr. Which president nominated Bill Barr for attorney general? Uh, President Trump. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, was convicted on two separate occasions in a federal court, correct? I believe that's correct. The attorney general at the time for Cohen's second conviction was Matthew Whitaker. Which president appointed Matthew Whitaker as acting attorney general? Uh, President Trump. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted in a federal court, correct? Yes. Trump's former deputy campaign manager, Mr. Gates was convicted in a federal court, correct? That's my recollection. Trump's campaign foreign policy advisor, George Papadopoulos, was convicted in a federal court, correct? Uh, Yes, I think he he pled guilty, yes. The attorney general at the time of those three cases was Jeff Sessions. Which president nominated Jeff Sessions for attorney general? President Trump. You were the FBI director for all of those cases at the time. Which president nominated you? President Trump. Okay. What these facts show is we don't have a two-tiered system of justice. We have one Department of Justice that goes after criminals regardless of party ideology. All of these folks were convicted under the administrations of three separate Republican attorneys general. It is not the fault of the FBI that Donald Trump surrounded himself with criminals. Donald Trump brought that upon himself. Thank you to the FBI for exposing the cesspool of corruption of these Trump associates. Trump advisor Roger Stone was convicted in a federal court. Ted Lieu, I I can never get enough of Ted Lieu. Never. He's so brilliant. He is so, so brilliant. I love that he is my representative. Awesome. Just, yeah, just took him right down. Now, this is from ABC. House Republicans clashed with the FBI director Chris Wray on Wednesday as the head of the bureau faced sharp questions from lawmakers who in recent years have ratcheted up accusations that the agency has been weaponized for political purposes when it's actually the fucking opposite. Ray's appearance before the House Judiciary Committee for a hearing the panel billed is focusing on the politicization of the FBI under Ray and Attorney General Merrick Garland was his first since Republicans took control of the lower chamber and came as the FBI and the Justice Department more broadly has emerged a frequent target of Republicans. Former President Trump nominated Ray just as Ted Lieu just told us, to lead the FBI in 2017 after firing then-director Jim Comey. By the way, uh, Ryan Riley reminded us that had Hillary won, Jim Comey would have two months left at his post uh, heading up the FBI, and she would be nominating a new director of the FBI in two months. The committee's Republican and Democratic members took their places, 
along familiar battle lines throughout the hearing, offering competing views of the FBI. And this is pretty like astounding the difference here, right? That the Republicans think that the FBI is some deep state, like liberal organization that's going after Republicans, which is so crazy. <laughs> and and the Democrats are like, you aren't doing enough. You didn't do shit on January 6th. You blocked subpoenas and search warrants for the January 6th probe from the Department of Justice. They blocked, they tried to block the Mar-a-Lago search warrant they you know like they aren't like they're too gun shy because of what happened in 2016 and and with the durham probe right so right. republicans are sicking all their dogs on all these fbi agents and then saying you're doing too much it's just fucking bonkers now gop lawmakers accused the bureau of pursuing politically charged investigations to damage trump and and retaliating against parents and whistleblowers okay as a whistleblower fuck you their Democratic colleagues, meanwhile, largely rushed to the Bureau's defense, which when would you ever see that, and said it's Trump who committed wrongdoing with his handling of sensitive government documents and all the shit that he did the whole rest of the time he's been alive. Now, quote, the idea that I'm biased against conservatives seems somewhat insane to me, given my own personal background. <laughs> That's what Ray, a registered Republican, said in response to accusations that he used the FBI to target conservatives. Now, at the start of the hearing, Judiciary Committee Jim Jordan, uh, the chairman, provided a roadmap for the array of issues Republicans have with the FBI. Among them is its August 2022 court-authorized search of Mar-a-Lago, Trump's resort, and alleged retaliation against whistleblowers who spoke to congressional investigators and purported efforts to suppress conservative viewpoints. Good. Blech, I hate him. <laughs> Quote, the American people have lost faith in the FBI. That's what the, because of you, motherfucker. That's Mike Johnson of Louisiana. Matt Gates questioned whether the FBI was protecting the Bidens, an assertion Ray basically laughed at and forcefully rejected. Absolutely not. The FBI does not and has no interest in protecting anyone politically. Democrats, meanwhile, accused their GOP colleagues of leveling attacks against the FBI for the benefit of Trump and attempting to reshift the blame for the former president's legal troubles onto the FBI. Quote, for them, this hearing is little more than performance art. It is an elaborate show designed with only two purposes in mind, to protect Donald Trump from the consequences of his actions and to return him to the White House in the next election. That was Jerry Nadler, top Democrat on the judiciary panel. To further their claims that the FBI is biased against conservatives, Republicans repeatedly raised a July 4th preliminary injunction issued by a federal judge in Louisiana, which limited a number of top Biden administration officials and agencies from communicating with social media companies about protected speech. The injunction stemmed from a case brought by the attorney, the attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana, who allege uh, that Biden and his administration colluded with social media platforms to censor conservative viewpoints about the COVID-19 pandemic and election integrity. The Justice Department has asked federal appeals court to pause the lower court while it pursues an appeal. They were on that immediately. Quote, the FBI is not in the business of moderating content or causing any social media company to suppress or censor. That's what Ray said. The FBI chief told the committee that the Bureau's focus is on malign foreign disinformation by hostile actors who abuse social media platforms. Hey, Russia, what's up, China? Asked about the suggestion from a small number of Republicans and Trump that the FBI be defunded, 
Ray said that would be disastrous and ill-conceived. He said it would hurt the American people, neighborhoods, and communities all across this country. The people we are protecting from cartels, violent criminals, gang members, predators, foreign and domestic terrorists, cyber attacks. He said all this, adding that stripping the FBI of its funding would help violent gangs and cartels and foreign terrorists, Chinese spies, hackers, and so forth. And it would also, like, fuck up our relationship with local law enforcement, who we help all the time, all around the country, to help solve their local crimes. So... It was a weird hearing today, um, but uh, that's how, how it went down. Thank you so much. And our last story goes back to Judge Amit Mehta. This is from Sarah Burris at Raw Story. It seems the judge acquitted Oath Keeper member James Beeks of all charges regarding the January 6th riot on Wednesday. Beeks, who is, I, this paragraph makes me kind of giggle because I guess this is his bio, but Beeks is a former Broadway actor, pastor, and Michael Jackson impersonator who was arrested in November 2021 while playing the role of Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) I mean, come on, there is some funny in there. He has long proclaimed and agreed to waive a jury trial to allow Meta to decide the case. And it worked out in his favor. WUSA reporter Jordan Fisher, this is what he tweeted. Among the arguments he made to the judge was that he had divine authority and the government had no jurisdiction over him an argument commonly espoused by believers of sovereign citizenship. Ah, yep. (laughs) Sovsits. They're all, they're a special group. Yeah. Well, at the same time, James and Casey Kuzik, two pastors from Florida and a member of their church, John Lesperance, they were standing trial in the same Washington, D.C. courtroom for their part in January 6th. Beeks argue that he only joined the Oath Keepers a few weeks before January 6th attack and hadn't been involved in any of the plots of planning. On January 6th, he joined them in creating a formation upon entrance of the Capitol. Now, he faced seven counts, but was acquitted of all of them. Bart McQuaid said on Twitter that this was the right decision and that the proof simply wasn't there. Now, this is only the second case the DOJ has lost, by the way, and a sprawling investigation of the boots on the ground rioters where over a thousand of them have been arrested. Yeah, this is the second acquittal. That's pretty good numbers. Pretty good average if you're a baseball player. <laughs> if you're an anything player. I'll t- yeah, no kidding. Right? <laughs> I'll take two out of a thousand. Shit. Plus. Uh, all right, we have a lot of good news to get to. Um, if you have good news, send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with it. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp is not a crisis hotline. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Start living a better life today. Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. I remember a time when I was stuck at a crossroads, unsure of the path ahead. It felt very overwhelming, this impending sense of doom because of my anxiety. But it was through opening up, seeking guidance, asking for help, and embracing the journey of self-discovery with a licensed therapist that I was able to navigate through my uncertainties. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, anything else, therapy helps you stay connected with what you really want while you navigate your life so you can move forward with confidence. Trusting yourself to make better decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice, the easier it gets. Imagine possessing the tools to face life challenges with grace, to understand your boundaries, to empower the best version of yourself. That is the beauty of therapy. It isn't reserved for just to those of us facing major trauma. It's for anyone seeking to learn and grow and navigate life's intricacies. Therapy is like having a personal guide, helping you unearth your potential and build resilience. So if you're considering starting therapy, 
Why not give BetterHelp a go? It's an online platform built around your convenience and flexibility. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists at any time at no cost. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, a shout out to a loved one, small business in your area, your business, a shout out to yourself. I love those. I'm loving those so much. Me too. Uh, Woobie stories, uh, adoptable pet in your area. If you don't have pod pet tax to pay, pod pet tax is where you drop a photo of your pet so that, you know, you can pay the tax of writing in and sharing your good news. If you want to tell us about your happy place, a vacation that you're going on or that you've recently gone on, anything at all, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Eric, pronouns he and him. Hi, AG and DG. As always, thank you for your daily voices and bringing news, sanity, and swearing to my commutes. I have a misheard song lyric for you. Ooh, we haven't had one of these in a while. Until I saw the musical Mamma Mia, I thought the line was, Honey, I'm still free from Take a Chance on Me. I thought it was Ollie Oxen free, Take oh a Chance goodness. on Me. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance, take a chance on, on me. me. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Yeah, I thought it was Ollie Oxen free and could not understand what that was doing in there. <laughs> but really, I'm here to share an adoptable pet. If there are listeners in the D.C. metro region, this beautiful gal, Etta, is in need of a foster or an adopter. Her rescue does foster to adopt trials as well. She has either a Havanese or a Oriental short hair or mix, including one of those. Etta has an upper respiratory infection and needs a few more weeks of medicine. But she's a good girl. She's a good girl at taking it. And she's responding well to the treatment. But she is so sad in the cage all by herself because she's sick and she can't be around other cats. I would take her in, but due to family matters, I can't do so right now. Can someone out there in this wonderful community help? All she needs is a bathroom where she can decompress and recuperate for a week or two. It's not cruel to isolate a cat in the bathroom. It makes them feel more secure to start out in a small room when introduced to a new home. I can actually attest to that. I'm happy to make a connection with a person advocating for her if the Daily Beans crew is willing to help connect a listener out there with us. Thank you. And look at this beautiful kitty. I mean, the cat is fascinating looking. That's for sure. Do you, uh, you're a cat person. Do you, is, do you know the breed? She's definitely oriental in there, uh, oriental short hair cat in there. And um, yeah, I don't, I mean, she's just absolutely gorgeous cat. And she just needs a few weeks of some love in a, in a little safe spot. If anybody in the DC metro area uh, is interested in fostering or adopting or fostering to adopt this baby, um, please, I just, I hate to think of her alone in this cage because she can't be around other animals. So send an, send an email to hello at mullersherote.com and do me a favor, put Mama Mia in the subject line and uh, I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Awesome. Thank you so much, AG. This next one's from Felicity, pronoun she and her. Hello, being queens of the Leguminati. 
I've been a patron of MSW since shortly before the Daily Bean started. Hmm. I've had some tough things going on with my family recently. So now more than ever, it's important for me to have a new source that is thorough, but doesn't leave me feeling despondent. Hmm. Now this podcast has admirably fulfilled that need since it began. Thanks to the Beans crew and the awesome listeners. All I have to offer is a misheard lyric. Well, we got a lot today. My husband and I both love 80s music. Same. And on recent road trip, Betty Davis eyes came up in the shuffle. I commented, it must be really hard to make a crow blush. How can you tell? (laughs) Because they have black feathers and you can't see their skin, I reasoned. Now, my husband did me a favor of not laughing me out of the car as he corrected me. I think she makes the pros blush. (laughs) Ah, He's got Betty Davis eyes. That makes Ah, sense, too. That makes sense, too, says Felicity. And you know what, Felicity? I was today years old when I learned that it wasn't making crows blush. That's what I always thought it was too. So seriously, have that in common. Oh my God, that's very funny. That's fantastic. And you know what I've noticed too? This is the second song lyric thing you you mentioned. Oh, we're getting a lot of those today, Dana. I think the Leguminati is on some sort of communal wavelength because we get similar posts in every... You know, like it, it'll be a year without. Oh, that's true. And we'll get a couple or uh, we'll get like two. What the heck wines and one thing who has a whore? Like, it's just I think it's there's some sort of uh, universal string theory. We're all vibrating on the same um, frequency. So, oh, my gosh, this it. dog. <gasps> so, so gorgeous eyes, gorgeous eyes. Next up from Rosamond. This is Dasher. We saved him three years ago from a high kill shelter with hours left to live. He is blind and deaf. His sister is also a deaf Great Pyrenees. Sharing a fun, expressive artwork from Draw My Dog, I never met the artist, but had to give a shout out. Dasher is a big boy and a beautiful boy. (laughs) Look at these Pyrenees. Oh, look at the drawing. Oh, it's so good. That's such a happy drawing. That's beautiful. Draw my dog. Okay, I have never heard of that. Now I have to go check that out. Um, and you know, um, Rosamond, our friend Stephanie Miller, uh, is a great Pyrenees aficionado as yeah. well. Yeah. So I She's love these. She's got Pyrenees. two little ones now. And I grew up with a peer in my house, a great Pyrenees. I grew up with uh, two. We had two yeah. over my childhood. So thank you for that. Yeah, that made me sound like she's got two great Pyrenees now. No, she has two little dogs now. She's actually the oh. Pyrenees have left. No, no, I wasn't correcting you. I was con- correcting myself because I think someone would have written in and been like, she doesn't have Pyrenees right now. Right. All right. right. This is from Jonathan, pronouncing in him. Many thanks to you and Dana for always bringing the appropriate levels of joy and ire. You are welcome, Jonathan. A few weeks ago, I decided to do something to limit or stop the soil erosion into the ravine on the other side of the parking lot of our apartment. I started throwing my vegetable only chicken, excuse me, kitchen scraps into create (laughs) vegetable only chicken scraps, chicken scraps, kitchen scraps into create something resembling a compost pile. And I spouted some seeds and I figured would enrich the soil and planted them along the edge. It wasn't until a few days ago that I realized that what I had done was not exactly putting beans on it, but putting beans in it. So I give you a pic of my one of my bean plants, which is a mix of black pinto and black-eyed peas that I planted, which now has bean sprouts. Never mind that they will never be picked. The colonial pipeline is about three yards behind those beans, so don't trust that the soil isn't polluted. For pod pet tags, find a picture of our 13-year-old dog, Pickles. 
in a tutu from Halloween. There's no question about her breed, but I'll let you guess so you can improve your win ratio just a smidge. That, thank you. People is a pug. 100% pug. (laughs) Good job. And by the way, and 50% Rolo. uh, (laughs) Look how cute that dog is, those wrinkles. Oh, it's like it kind of reminds me of uh, my friend Sarah. Somebody who works with us on the Beans team is a a pug rescuer and it looks like pigs, one of her pugs. But pickles in a tutu uh, reminds me of now. I know Morrissey is a son of a bitch. I know that. Okay. I know he's a pain in the ass, racist, alt-right weirdo. He has an old song called Vicar in a Tutu. And that's now I just have that. Oh, it's Pickles in a Tutu. He's not strange. He just wants to live his life this way. Oh, so, so cute she is. Oh, had those stats. Thank you. All right. We got another 100%. Yep. Cool. All right. Send in your pure breeds. We'll be able to guess them pretty easily. Sometimes, right? Oh my God, I know. Someone's going to send in like a Great Dane and we're going to be like, that's a Chihuahua. I don't even think I've seen a purebred Catahoula uh, hound. I just know that they're, that dog is in a lot of mutts. And I, what if I saw one like that was just that? No, you know, no other varietals. I would, I would not understand. I would not recognize it. Courtney Beth, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I'm thrilled to share that I was lucky enough to be asked to create the cover design for this incredible memoir written by a friend I met in high school. We used to have art and photography classes at the same time and in a shared classroom, which further solidified our creative friendship. We'd take clown wigs and fake eyelashes and crazy thrift store clothing out and do photo shoots in rural Nebraska together. She went to photo college. I went to art school. And now 30 years later, we've collaborated on our fourth self-published book together. The first three were kids' books. This one is different. Full of inspiration and written after battling and beating breast cancer. It's an amazing and surprisingly hilarious book by my friend and author, Jennifer D. James, who since her recovery has worked to become a mentor trained in offering support to those who have been diagnosed with cancer. And now for my PSA. As a single parent who works as a contractor, I discovered melanoma last year on my arm. I don't have health insurance because I'm still trying to get out from under FFELP student debt which I have paid off the principal, but owe 150% of what I borrowed in the 90s. Jesus. And the financial crater that the COVID shutdown dealt to me and my 12-year-old son. His dad is a homeless veteran, and things have not been easy. I encouraged all the Beans listeners to get checked for skin cancer. Even without insurance, I paid under $200 for a skin check and continue to go every three months now to keep an eye on things. My melanoma scar is about seven inches down the back of my left arm, a symbol of awareness for me, and hopefully for others. Thanks for all you do, ladies. You can find the memoir at, let's see, feistywritey.com. Oh, that's a very cool book cover, by the way. It really is. And, um, well, um, Courtney Beth, I have to hand it to you. With all of this that's going on, you are just a warrior. You're one of the kindest people I can think of right now who has just gone through so much. So um, thank you so much for that. It is amazing how uh, I, sometimes I feel like the more people go through, the, the more empathic and kinder they are as humans. And I think those people that have never struggled, and I, I think there's probably no one on this earth that's never struggled, but I don't know. I do believe that sometimes the more people get, the, the kinder they are. Yeah, I used to tell a story when I would do customer service training at the Department of Veterans Affairs. For the longest time, the customer service training at the, at the VA was don't be a dick. 
Oh, yeah. And like, that's it, uh, you know? Uh, and I was like, how about be nice? And, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people, you know, can struggle with that friendliness, especially we have so many disabled veterans who work at the VA. But I always remember this one woman who came up to the clinic. I was checking people in for their vesting appointments, their like first time appointments on Saturday. And she came up, she was in a wheelchair. She was a double amputee. Um, both legs were gone. She lost them at an IED in Ugh. Afghanistan. And she had a son on her lap, one and a half maybe. And he had, uh, when she came up, she was smiling and she told us about her son. He has uh, asked if somebody could sit with him for a while because he has MS. And that her husband had been killed in action. Oh, goodness. So, but she was the happiest, kindest, sweetest person. And I was like, if she can smile. Yeah, no kidding. You can too. Uh, And I, I always remember telling her story and that's sort of, I think you're right on the money there. So everybody go to feistywritey.com and check out this book. That is our Thursday. Thank you so much for all of your amazing good news and pet photos. Again, if you want to adopt that cat or uh, foster that cat in the DC metro area or surrounding area, just email us hello at mullersherote.com and put Mama Mia in the subject line. Do you have any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here today, Dana? No, just wishing everyone the best, truly. Awesome. Me too. And we'll be back tomorrow in your ears for one last show before the weekend. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. (laughs) I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped 
of kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.